they're not animals, they're humans, and they have a family and people that love them and care for them. And it's not right that they should be treated that way. And on my son, and like I say, he had an expectancy to live to 70, 80. He could have could have become the president. He could have did anything that he put his mind to. And the fact that the system there is designed to mess these people up, inhumane system caused my son to die. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Over the past two years alone, 16 men died in the Rikers Island jail complex. Among them was Stefan Kadu. Stefan was arrested in 2019 along with nine other men, allegedly members of the Brick Squad, a Brooklyn street gang. The state charged them in a 48-count indictment with conspiracy to commit murder, weapons possession, narcotics possession, and other crimes. He was 22 years old. Stefan was sent to Rikers to await trial. His mom, Lizandre, had major concerns about the conditions. And in the summer of 2021, she learned that her son came close to death. Stefan had five seizures and ended up in the hospital. For the next few months, he continued to have seizures, and officers frequently failed to get him the medical attention he needed. Then, in September, Lizandre got a call that would change her life. A medical examiner said Stefan died of natural causes from a meningitis infection. But meningitis infections are preventable, and Lizandre says it shouldn't have been a death sentence. So, she's filed a wrongful death lawsuit. Today, Lizandre shares the story of her son. But before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. Find out about the biggest ideas in business on McKinsey's Insights app, where you can listen to podcasts like our flagship show, The McKinsey Podcast. We're so not tuned in to the dynamic going on for the current employees. What matters to them most? Or watch our author talk series featuring law professor Dorothy A. Brown. 60% of Black college students don't graduate. And when I came across that statistic, I got so depressed. And read lots of articles about, for example, The Next Normal, where you can learn about the coronavirus's latest impact on business. To hear, see, and read more, download McKinsey's Insights app now. Now, back to the show. Here's my conversation with Lizandre. Well, hello, my name is Lizandre Cadu. I'm the mother of Stefan Cadu. That's my 24-year-old son. So I guess just to start off, what was he like when he was young? What was his childhood like? He was just the most sweetest, lovable, caring, charisma as a kid. He was very, very smart, even as an adult. Anywhere Stefan went, he was, you know, like, just the, the it person. When he played sports as a kid, he started off, uh, it was a neighbor in his grandmother's building, Coach Lloyd, and he had two sons. So he would take his two sons, Stefan and Stefan's uncle, just to throw the football around. After a while, so many people started coming up to him because it's rare that we have a, a football team in Bedford-Stuyvesant. So he actually organized the Bedford-Stuyvesant football team. It was called Brooklyn Pitbulls. And um, Stefan was just immaculate in playing football. Like Stefan 
I assumed he was going to be a football player because he was so great at it. And again, he had the charisma. So any game we went to, guarantee Stefan was going to make at least four points, seven points, touchdown. Like everyone is in a stadium chanting for him. But when he got to high school and he played for boys and girls high school, it was like, to me, it was one of the best times in my life. I always, I had a lot of good memories with that because he loved it. Like everything was football, football. And I was like the team mom. So he catch a touchdown. I'm at the end of the field. Like, ah, that's my son. That's my son. Like everything. And then I, I seen him striving for me. He was um, a ninth grader playing with the varsity team. But that was one of the greatest times in my life. Would you mind just telling me a little bit more about the events leading up to him going to Rikers? Stefan was like in the prime of his life. Like, you know, he just turned 22. In September, they had went, him and his girlfriend went to Vegas. And he was just having the best time of his life. Like, couldn't wait for his sister to turn. She just turned 19 in November then she was 18 at that time she was going to be 17 he was going to buy her a car and dumb two despite their five years apart you would think they were twins he was just feeding for Stephanie's birthday because we was going to go on a trip and we was going to do all this stuff his son was turning one so he was having like this huge big big extravagant party that I cursed him out every day about it because I was like, what? Like, why are you, you spending so much money? You buggy. He was like, my, you got to be kidding me. Old lady, you mad cheap. He was just happy. Like, I mean, happy to do anything for us, for me, for my mom, for my sisters, for his sister, for anyone. It was just like, help, call me, I'm coming. You need something, call me, I'm coming fun yeah I'm coming to have fun like coming to chill with my family he just was always just here like that night he got arrested December 19th December 18th we were at my sister-in-law's house and Stefan called me like ma you cooking I was like yeah you coming he was like yeah me and Lika in Brooklyn so we're gonna come I'm like yes so I made a fried salmon burger and I sent Stefan the pictures because now it's like, I spoke to him, it was like five o'clock. Here it is like nine, 10 o'clock. So I'm like, bro, you not coming? Like, stop lying, Stefan. Like, you lied just like your father. Like, if you come and come. He like, yeah, boy, mom coming. I swear I'm coming. My beauty, like in 20 minutes. I was like, okay, let's see. Now I'm sitting up. It's about one o'clock. I text him. I said, you lying in MF. I know you ain't coming, but the food is here. And I, I took the picture of the plates. I said, but I'm um, seeing sister $20. She need money for school. And probably like an hour later. So it was probably like two in the morning. He texts back, laugh out loud. Got you, Ma. I sent it. And I said, all right, I love you, son. Be safe. God bless you. I'll speak to you in the morning. That was that. And I went to sleep. His girlfriend, Jalika, she had started a new job at that time. So me and her be on the phone in the morning and stuff. And me and her texting. And then she starts calling me. So I'm like, I just answer. I'm like, what's up? She's like, Ma, I don't know. Um, Biggie, which is my son's friend. They were friends since more, play football together. 
She was like, mom, Biggie just called me and said they arrested Pop. They arrested Pop. In a, I said, okay, where? Like, where is he? She was like, Ma, the marshals arrested him. I said, the marshals? I said, my mind said, like, how's it called marshals? But then I'm like, the U.S. marshals, Lika? She's like, Ma, yes. I hung up. Jalika called me back. Like, Ma, hurry up and go. They're at Supreme Court. They're charging them with like a 31-count indictment of conspiracy or something. I'm like, what? By that evening... It was splashed all over the news, all over the newspapers. What I was bothered about was there was not a news reporter or no one there. So how did y'all make these assume this story? On the 19th, when he got arrested and I went to that courtroom, there was not one person in, on this floor other than myself, all of the young men that were arrested, and all of the U.S. Marshals. So I felt very very offended and bad on what they were saying. And believe it or not, I stopped watching news. I was so worried and so worried, like, what is going to happen? What is going to happen? What is going to happen? I got to see Pop. I got to see Pop. And that first visit, we sit down. I said, well, what happened? What did you do? He's like, I do nothing. I think they were saying they closed in the tombs or something. And they was trying to distribute everybody every place. And nobody, and it was just like, not an acceptance, but okay, I understand you have to be in here. You know, you're going to keep going back and forth to court until this situation is resolved and you'll be back home with us. Literally, that's, I never worried about, oh, my son is going to get 20 years or any of like that because he didn't do anything. It was just guilty by association and guilty of, who I might have known or where I have might been. I still want to talk about, about his experience at Rikers, you know, when he was sick. The island was overcrowded. He said um, they came, the correction or whatever, and was like, did anyone willingly want to go to the boat? He was like, yeah, him. I said, well, why would you do that? Why would you want to go to the boat? He was like, mine been outside. I have not seen outside since I went to jail. And I'm like, all right. He like, well, my, it's, it's pretty cool in here, whatever. It's like um, a boat. I was like, so what do you mean? It's like, it's like cells and things like that. And I'm like, well, is it hot in here? Is it cold? He like, it's, it's, it's cool in here or whatever. I'm like, all right. And I still ain't see him because it was COVID. So we couldn't see each other. So we did the Zoom visits and everything. And it was just like, a boat, and I, I remember as a kid hearing people say, "Yeah, you in a you on a you in jail on a boat in the Bronx." I ain't never see it, and when it initially took place, me and my husband weren't here; we were away, and um, we came home that night, and um, the morning time came, and my phone rang is Stephanie, and I'm on a hello, she's screaming. Ah! I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Um, Super, which is his friend that became his brother in jail, he called screaming that um Stefan had five seizures and hurry up and get to Lincoln Hospital. I'm like, what? So my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna kill this jail. They done beat my son into a seizure. Like, 
why would he have a seizure? So we get to the hospital. I went to the desk, the, the, the station, how the nurses beat at the desk. I'm like, hi, um, good afternoon. My name is Lissandra Perdue. I just got a call that my son was brought in, Stephen Perdue. He's the inmate. I'm like, excuse me. I don't know if everyone pressed the off button on their ears, but nobody responded back to me. So I said, okay. I walked around. As soon as I walked around, I seen an officer. But the hospital security, he it was two officers back there and the hospital security. One officer was sitting down and there was a tall lady. And I was like, um, hello, my name is Miss, I'm Lissandra Du, I'm appearing with Stefan Kadu. Can you just you have to leave? But then I was scared. <laughs> it's crazy as it was, right? I didn't do anything. She's not the police, but I got scared. And she was like, you, you have to leave. You have to leave. And like I said, I got scared. I started crying. And I said, ma'am, please, like, I'm not going to do anything. Like, I just want to know if my son is okay. Just tell me my son is all right. Just tell me he's living. And she was like, you have to leave. And her exact words was, for one, your son is property of Department of Correction. For two, he's 22 and I don't have to tell you anything. I said, excuse me? I took my mask off. I said, you're a woman, right? Whether you bear kids or not, we have woman instinct. Can you pull your braid and at least tell me my son is okay? I don't have to tell you anything. He had two seizures. He fine. By then, I said to her, yeah, quote, unquote. I said, the day that you wake up and your feet are backwards and you cannot care or think for your family, know what you just told me. She was like, get them out of here. I couldn't believe what was going on. I had to walk out this hospital not knowing if Stefan was actually living or dead, not knowing if he even knew that mom is there, like my mom is outside. I called the boat, the barge, just to confirm that they didn't throw his stuff away. The phone is busy for hours. Nobody answered. And nobody answered that day. Nobody answered. I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm coming back there again. And as soon as we got out the cabin, I got on the premises of the hospital, a number called and I answered it. And he said his name was Dr. Wolf. And I said, um, okay. He said, okay, well, you know, your son was brought in from a facility. He had two seizures, two seizure episodes. I said, what you mean two seizures? I was told that it was five. He goes, well, this is what the officer said to me. I said, okay, so what's going on now? He said, um, we don't know what's causing the seizures. I said, okay. So when will my son be home? He was like, the problem is Miss Kadu, the seizures were so bad and his bones were stiff, stiff for so long, his bones became brittle. And them being brittle let out toxics into his blood stream. And the blood is leaking into his kidney. And your son's kidney is failing. So we're keeping him, Miss Kadu, the fear of his kidney failing. And if his kidney fails, Miss Kadu, and the way is dropping. We're going to have to give him emergency dialysis. 
my mom died from kidney disease. I know once your kidney dropped 15, you got you a problem. What do you mean my son's kidney is failing? Well, we're giving him kefrin to prevent seizures. We're giving him antibiotics and stuff to make sure there's no infection and we're monitoring the kidney. I said, okay. That's all I could do is say, okay. I called everyone I knew. I gave everyone an update. By that point, everyone was 311. I think 311 was beyond overwhelming us. We, they wrote letters to the warden, to Albany. We still didn't get a response from them. His father, nobody. Emailed them, nobody. Days just went past. It was a Saturday now, a Sunday, and I ain't know nothing. My husband's birthday is July 13th. I'm like, we not going to do nothing because we don't know nothing. It was July 12th. It was like six o'clock in the evening. I was just sitting in my window. I don't know. And the phone rang and it was the hearts, the sunshine and the hearts. But that don't mean nothing because the friend's been calling me. And when it called now, we got another long way of telling you that. We're listening more to everything and everything and everything. But when it says hello, it says the name. I knew his voice. And I just wanted to record and hurry up and stop. And then when he was like, Ma, I just said, shut up. And I just prayed so hard. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I prayed till the call was over. And I just started yelling and telling him, he back there, y'all, he good, he good, he good. And when he called back, that's what we talked. And I asked him, like, how you feeling? Are you okay? I, was like, I knew it was bad. He said when he was talking to the doctors and they were asking him about his medical history. And, you know, they asked about your grandparents and stuff. He told him to call my mom. He forgot my mom was dead. He was like, my grandma got heart issues and high blood pressure. And my grandma got kidney disease. But if you call her, she'll tell you. He said when the doctor came back in the second time is when he remembered, like, I'm sorry, I can't remember, but my grandma died. I don't remember when, but my grandma died. I knew it was bad. He asked his sister how old she was. He said, Ma, I keep getting a shock, like a stinging pain. From like my arm down to my fingers. I said, Step boy, you might be having a heart attack. I'm like, get to the hospital, get to now. That's a sign of a heart attack. He was like, Ma, I'm telling you, I feel okay. I'm like, no, Stephon, if you say this, it's coming from your shoulder to your fingers. Or your left hand, that's a sign of a heart attack stuff. Or you just had a seizure. You don't know what's going on with your body. Like I said, when he complained and I called, they just said it's just side effects of the seizure. The scream, it was a horrible scream, but I didn't think nothing. But the scream was so bad, I just jumped up out the bed like that. And when I jumped up, I opened the room door. And I'm like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, what are y'all doing out here? And she was just like, <sighs> and I'm like, like, what happened, Stephanie? She was like, 
Your son is dead. I was like, what? Who? I just fell on the floor. Then it was just like, like bits and pieces. Like I remember trying to get my phone, like to call my husband, to call my mother-in-law to like, it was like, I didn't know how to use my phone. I'm just screaming like they lying. But then it's just like, I think I pulled the wire, the phone wire out the wall. I think I broke the machine. Then it was just like, people start coming in the house and it's just like screaming and I'm just screaming and I'm, I can't stop screaming. And it's just like, no. I remember, I think I went to dial and it was the text from the lawyer. I haven't seen his, the text from him in years. He's like, what the fuck? Call me now, Miss Kadu. Then he called and I'm like, hello. I, like, what is going on? He's like, Miss Kadu, like, what is going on? They're saying Stefan is dead. And I'm just screaming, they lying, 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 they lying. I remember just being so like out of it. And it was three big men that came in the hallway. They didn't make sense to me. So I said, I don't know if it was one of my friends or my sister-in-law, somebody. I said, like, ask these people who they are. And the people said, um, we're here from Department of Correction. We're here to notify Stevens Kadu family. They basically was like, they were here to notify us um, of the passing of Stefan Kadu and that he died from a seizure and we could go identify him at Lincoln Medical Hospital. He, he wasn't just the person in jail. He was a human, he was a son. He was a father, he was a brother, he was a cousin, he was a friend, and he had a humongous family and people that loved him. And that's just the same for anyone that went in there. All of them young men that died in there and the person that just passed away and the ones that are still in there suffering, they're still human beings. And there's still people that love them and care for them. And the time that my son was in jail, I know how I felt, so I could imagine how other people felt when, when my son died. I didn't even know that there were anyone that had actually passed away prior to that. So it was a big shocker to me. So for those guys that are there, like I say, they're not animals. They're humans, and they have a family and people that love them and care for them, and it's not right that they should be treated that way. And on my son end, like I say, he had an expectancy to live to 70, 80. He could have could have become the president. He could have did anything that he put his mind to. And the fact that the system there is designed to mess these people up, inhumane system caused my son to die. Um, what advice would you give to families going through the same thing? Mother to mother, don't be quiet. Find peace. It took me a month to be able to speak because I was in a state of shock, waking up, thinking that this was a dream that I was going to wake up from. And on October 12th, when I found peace 
to speak up, I never stopped talking. So to the families, to the wives, to the mothers, to the kids, I know what you guys are feeling. Just come on out. Don't be quiet. Like I say, I'm Hispanic and I was born in Trinidad. My, my dad is Trinidadian and my mom is Spanish. So many people died and fought for us just to sit on a bus together. Like we need to fight for this. These are our sons. Like again, to the families, I'm beyond speechless to tell y'all how sorry I am because I know the feeling, but don't be quiet, please. I know you guys are hurting and you guys are confused and you got answers and nobody's giving you answers because it's like, so what? They were in jail, they died, but please don't be quiet. Like people ask me, how do I do it? Because it's like, I'm reliving it over again. Yes, it is. But it gives me some type of strength to know that I'm speaking out on something that was wrong. And there are people that's willing to sit down and talk and just ask questions on who he was because all they know was a Stephen could do casualty 12 and how the jail system labels them. So speak out on your kids, speak on the behalf of them, tell the whole entire world, the planet, who he was, what they was, what they love, what they love to eat. Just don't, don't be quiet. Stefan was set to go to trial one month after he passed away, but now all that families like Hadou's have left are memories of their loved ones. Lazandre reminds us that he wasn't just a person in jail. He was a human. He was a son. He was a father. He was a brother. He was a cousin. He was a friend. Stefan leaves behind his family, including two children, Kalani and Stefan Jr., Rikers has long been known for its unspeakable violence and inhumane conditions. As a result, former Mayor Bill de Blasio's administration proposed to close it and replace it with four new jails in four boroughs, one of them the mega jail in Chinatown. You can learn more about this in last week's episode or in our story linked to in our show notes. But is this enough? How do we know that new jails won't have the same problems as Rikers? This is the conversation we need to have, so make sure to click the link in our show notes for resources and more information that's happening with Rikers. Finally, before we go, a new weekly segment with our community manager focused on COVID-19 here in New York City. Yesterday, March 22nd, Mayor Eric Adams announced that beginning on April 4th, Kids four and under will no longer be required to wear a mask in public schools and daycare centers. This means children that haven't been vaccinated will be able to attend school without a face covering. While some celebrate the news, others have concerns. For adults, but even more so for kids, the quick shifts in masking policies are confusing and stressful. If you're feeling this way, you're not alone. That's why we've put together a survey to collect and share stories about neighbors like you navigating the ever-changing COVID policies in schools. So if you're a parent, student, teacher, or staff member, please consider filling out our survey linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any other COVID-related questions, you can always reach out to me directly at daniel at epicenter-nyc.com. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. 
We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to, in our podcast description.